Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast, right here on Arsblog.com. I hope you're well. It is the very first one of 2011, and no doubt I find you at this moment in time up to your neck in your New Year's resolutions, the fitness regimes, putting the debauchery of the festive season behind you, getting rid of those few extra pounds that have been packed on with the booze and the drink and the drink and the booze and the booze and the drinking and the cake and the sweets and crisps and turkey and everything else. January will be a good month. It will be. And it's been good so far, 2011, for Arsenal, hasn't it? Unbeaten, yet to concede a goal? Start as you mean to go on, as they say. And should we continue in the same vein, I predict, quite confidently, a rather happy end to the season. Unless, of course, we draw every game nil-nil between now and May. Even then, you could draw every game nil-nil and still win the Champions League, couldn't you? Provided you were good at penalty shootouts. Can't see that happening. Not everyone plays like Manchester City, do they? Uh, Coming up on this week's show, I'll be chatting to Good Player about all the bits and pieces that have been going on. Internet Joe will be along. We've got Talkshite Radio. And we'll be looking ahead to the uh, Cup games in the Carling Cup against Ipswich. And, of course, in the FA Cup against filthy, nasty, despicable, horrendous, awful Leeds. If you don't know why Leeds are... Filthy, despicable, horrendous, nasty and awful. I'll explain it to you a bit later on, but surely you know already why why that is. It's because, well, they're leads. So, uh, since we last spoke, uh, the year has gone has gone well. As I said, New Year's Day, a trip to Birmingham away, a place where we've conceded last-minute equalizers and last-minute goals rather too often, and a place which holds some bad memories, of course, because of the Eduardo incident and the fallout from that game and everything else, you know, that season when we should have been champions but weren't. So, uh, New Year's Day, you're thinking, well, I've got a bit of a hangover. This could go badly. It didn't go badly. Birmingham were a bit rough. They were. I thought the tackle on Sask, having seen it again a couple of times on replays, was bad. Roger Johnson, a name which really doesn't conjure up a footballer, does it? No, Roger Johnson is a alcoholic solicitor or a tiling expert. Need your bathroom tiled? Call to Roger Johnson's tiles. Anyway... Uh, He was to get some back in the shape of the own goal, uh, but we did uh, extremely well, I thought, overall. Played good football, bit of luck on the first goal. Perhaps wasn't a free kick, perhaps. But it definitely hit Boyer's hand on the way through, so if it didn't go in, it should have been a penalty. And of course, Birmingham were looking for their own penalty with a handball on Robin Van Persie, and you know, you've seen them given. The ball hits the hand, 
But by that rationale, Arsenal should have had a penalty against Manchester City the other night. Company had his hand sort of there, and it just sort of hit it. And Van Persie was trying to head the ball, and he missed the ball, and it just sort of landed on his arm. It wasn't that he, he gave it a good swat away. And uh, when things were getting a little bit dodgy, uh, Nasri popped up with a brilliant second goal, and then Fabregas and Nasri interchanging, intertwining, bamboozling the Birmingham defence and making them look like the big, slow, useless, clogging cunts that they are. People say Birmingham don't lose an awful lot of games at home. I would have to ask why. How is that possible? Because they were pretty terrible. Maybe they gave it everything they got against Manchester United, but they were shite. Let's face it. Um, Lee Bowyer stamping on Sanya, raking his studs down Sanya's uh, Achilles. You expect nothing less from Lee Bowyer because he is simply Lee Bowyer and he gets a three-match ban on the back of that. Rather ironically, Sanya's got a three-match ban after the Man City game for a little bit of rutting, you might say, uh, with Zabaleta, and I don't think we can complain too much about that. And, of course, it was the TV coverage, ESPN, uh, which I have cancelled in the meantime because I watched the game on ESPN. I had to sit there and listen to John Champion, who is probably the most snide, pass-remarkable commentator that there is. I don't like many of them. Most of them annoy me, but Champion in particular always seems to be looking for an angle, and it's not just Arsenal, I have to say. I'm not just doing this with my Arsenal hat on, because I've heard him commentate on other games, and it's like, oh, geez, if I was a fan of that team, I'd want to kill him. But Chris Waddle, who cannot speak English, and as someone who has a bit of a background in broadcasting and uh, still works within that industry a little bit, it offends me to hear somebody who cannot speak English. Now, I don't expect them all to be uh, like uh, Brian Sewell, for example, uh, speaking plummily and uh, pronouncing words and using a vocabulary beyond the reach of the common man, but I do expect a pundit being paid money by a broadcasting organization to be able to speak in the correct tense. Right. I also expect him to be able to pronounce simple words like penalty, not penalty, penalty. And I don't think it's unfair to expect a broadcaster to have certain standards. And ESPN don't have those standards and didn't have those standards. So I rang them up and I cancelled. And that's that. I didn't get a chance to tell them why I was going to cancel because I rang up and you have to ring up Sky. And I rang up and the guy said, yeah, hello, welcome to Sky. And I said, I'd like to cancel ESPN, please. And I was expecting one of those. Well, why are you going to cancel? Um, Is there anything we can do? We'll give you it for half price. And he goes, yeah, all right. No problem. Right. It's canceled. So I didn't get a chance to tell them why I was canceling. Uh, But I did put it on Twitter. Maybe I'll write them a letter and tell them. Dear ESPN, you are now slightly, slightly poorer this week because I cancelled because of Chris Waddle. And maybe when you get some people back who can speak English, then I might subscribe again. But I don't think I want to pay any money to an organization that will have Chris Waddle as a pundit. And I know it opens up a can of worms because there's so many other desperate pundits. I know Jamie Radnap, he's another one who can't speak in the correct sense. And it does, it does open up a can of worms. But, you know, little steps, little fights, one at a time. Don't have me take them all on at once. I am only one man. Anyway, uh, Man City. There's a lot to come on the Man City game uh, in a few moments' time when I talk to a good player. But now, here's Internet Joe. I'm Internet Joe, and here's me 30-second roundup. Birmingham away, leg-breaking snark rockets, Van Persie free kick, get in there. Need that second, here it is, no, here it is, no, here it is, no, here it is, yes, Nasri, on go, ha ha ha, and Lee Bowyer, we might get a dog to fuck 
you just so we can say I got a dog to fuck you. Man, see? Post, post, save. More from Internet Joe on next week's Arscast. Still to come, Talk Shite Radio, as well as a look ahead to the FA Cup and Carling Cup games and some of the team news involved in that. Right now, though, to talk about all the bits and pieces that have gone on, I'm delighted to welcome back to the Arscast. Good play. A happy new year to you. And to you. Let's start with Manchester City. Um, Nil-nil. Frustrating in terms of the result, not so much the Arsenal performance, which I think was which was more than fine given the the way that City played. And, uh, you know, we've, we've gone through four games in ten days as well as Manchester City. They're not the only ones who are tired. Um, how did you view the game and, and City's approach? Because obviously a lot of people have been talking about it. And on one hand, you've got people who say, well, you know, they're perfectly entitled to come and play defensively. Then there's the other side of it where they spend so much money and they're so rich and they've got so many uh, attacking players and such a big squad that it was perhaps a little ambitionless um, of them to come and, and play as negatively as they did. I, I quite agree. The interesting thing was that they came to the Emirates last season, uh, the penultimate game, I think, and were just incredibly unambitious against an Arsenal side that were probably there for the taking. And at that time, they needed the points to to make sure of Champions League football. Well, they didn't. They seemed to have this. Really, they did, but they seemed to have this really kind of a kind of cocky assumption that somehow it will pan out okay. They they get something or probably beat Tottenham at home, and it would all be fine. And I remember at the end of the game at the Emirates, they were all celebrating with their fans and everything. And I, I wrote after that game that much as it pained me to say, if there was any justice, Tottenham would get the Champions League spot because cause City had drawn, City had lost fewer games than United at that stage and were still 16 points behind them. Um, and I think you can apply that kind of rule of thumb to this season to an extent. You don't, you stay up by drawing games you might lose. You win the title by winning games you might otherwise draw. And I'd, I'd even have a bit more respect for them had they actually put in a masterful defensive performance last night. I mean, you've got Colo Torre coming out saying, oh, it's all about defence, blah, blah, blah. Let's be honest here. They didn't actually do that very well. You know, but, but if we'd had a bit of luck and finished maybe slightly better like we did against Chelsea, we would have blown them away in that first half. I mean, you know, Jack Wilshire is a very good player. And, and frankly, I don't know what he was doing with that early chance. And we, we don't hit the post twice. Hart was nowhere near either of them. And so I'd, I'd, I'd have a bit more respect. I mean, Newcastle didn't do a hell of a lot at the Emirates when they came. They got one goal, but they, they did defend very well. West City last night, there were moments like we took a short corner. They'd only sent one guy across, which is a cardinal sin. But we messed it up, got another corner. And again, they left one guy across. And Seskin Van Persie swap passes. Van Persie waltz into the box. Should have done a lot better. But, you know, that was a frustrating thing. I I didn't even think they did what they tried to do that well. And it is is curious, you know, because we're looking at second against third in the Premier League. And and you're expecting, at least at at that end of the table, both teams to try and win the game. And you can understand if you're away, you might play a little bit more more cautiously but you know your your entire game plan isn't about sitting back and perhaps from a from a, a fan's point of view from a city's fan uh, point of view you know they can look and say we've come a long way in a short period of time and we're not necessarily used to playing these kind of games but when you go out and you buy the Tevezes of this world and you're spending 16 million pounds on a player like De Jong when you could have picked him up in the summer for free, you know, this sort of thing. When you spend the money that I think not necessarily an amount of responsibility, but surely you've got to be a little more expansive than that. 
Well, I quite agree. You, you really do. There's, there's the rule of Allardyce to remember as well, which is that Sam Allardyce has been sacked from two jobs, principally because he plays really bad football. You know, and, and it'd be something that Mancini would be well to be aware of. Because if you look at Allardyce, he wasn't doing terribly at Blackburn, and he wasn't even doing that terribly at Newcastle, where he got sacked from very, very quickly. But the problem is that when you're playing terribly but playing decent football you know you've got a, a little bit of a, a get out clause when you're playing terribly when you're playing badly and you're playing terrible football mm. you know there's not a whole lot of sympathy and it's, it's interesting hearing when Allardyce got sacked of a reporter up there saying well to be honest half half the people here you know are astonished she's been sacked because you know Blackburn haven't done, been doing that badly and the other half is utterly bored and thoroughly delighted and you know <laughs> and I, I think it's a lesson that Mancini would do do well to heed and, and I, I, I agree with you I think I think it's not the way you win the title. There was one team smiling last night and that was Manchester United. Mm. It'll be interesting as well. It will be interesting to see how how City are going to develop this project because obviously, you know, there was a bit of, um, you know, when Hughes was there, they said, look, Hughes is not the, the guy to win us a title. Maybe Mancini's the guy to take us to the next level. And I suppose if they do have any ambition in the longer term, it might well be a case that Mancini is a stepping stone to a manager who can bring them success and, and decent football. We'll have to wait and see how that goes. Was, was tiredness a factor for Arsenal in the second half? Because Mancini was complaining his team was tired and we're at the end of the Christmas schedule. And uh, I suppose these guys have played three out of the four games in the last 10 days. Certainly the first half we created a lot more and the second half seemed to, to struggle to sort of get behind City the way we did in the first. Yeah, I think I think there's there's definitely some merit in saying that. I also think if you look at it, Arsenal were at their traditionally very very strong finishes to the game. But I I don't think the substitutions last night made a lot of sense. Really, I mean it's it's a set. he took Walcott, Walcott off against Chelsea with 20 minutes left, and mm. you know you could you could almost see the smile on Ashley Cole's face from from where I was sitting on the other side of the ground. I mean you know it's and and I I, I thought that was a strange substitution I, I said immediately we're going to struggle you know we're not going to create a lot in the last 20 and, and sure enough we didn't and, and and so yeah I think you you, you level tiredness at it you level the fact that maybe they'd managed to get a grip a little bit you know they were a lot of stoppages in play that they were seemed to tactically suit them at the right time um and and our shape you know it was, I th- we did exceptionally well in the first half really actually to, mm. to create so many chances against a team who were have good defenders that of good midfielders and we're so determined to defend what about the sendings off uh, Arsenal are not going to appeal Bakary Sanya's red card Manchester City are going to appeal the red card for, for Zabaleta I was sort of of the opinion that given the time of game that it was um, the referee might have been a bit more sensible and just dished out a couple of yellow cards and told him to shut up and just get on with it there's only a minute or two left but we've seen a few of those head to head incidents recently I think it was Kabul who got sent off for, for Spurs and, and Zogbius was maybe a little more head buddy than, than, than Sanya what did you make of it and particularly in the light of Sanya and, and Bowyer at Birmingham because Sanya came under attack almost from, from Bowyer and didn't react and, and something happened uh, over on that far touch line and, and Sanya didn't, uh, didn't like it at all yeah, I mean, he made a bit of a mug out of me, to be honest, because I've been lauding him on my blog for the way he just doesn't get phased by anything, doesn't confront anyone about anything. And then he goes and does what he did last night, which was entirely out of character for him and, and very strange. I can see why, according to the letter of the law, the referee he could have made that decision and why we're not appealing it and we're right not to appeal it. 
Um, I, I'd ask one question. You know, the letter of the law is a very funny thing, and I think we just accept it sometimes. You know, kind of without questioning. Was there was there a single one? Was there a one percent chance that either Sanya or the City player could have been injured by what they did last night? No, mm. both of them were specifically not headbutting each other. Uh, that that much was was very clear. But you know, and they should have. He should have given the other cards. You know, it was the end of the, of the game. It was a very uh, you know, very uh, fair game, really. I can't remember too many bad tackles at mm. all. Um, he should have done that, but but you know, unfortunately, referees. There's no there's no common sense. There's no actual thought process in any disciplinary stuff. And and I, I think you bring the Bowie thing in, and I, I was just astonished. You know, when when I read that when I read that Willie Bowie had accepted a three match ban, and I, you know, you you accept a knighthood, you accept a, a role as, <laughs> as as treasurer at the local church. You don't accept a three match ban, and it's like and it's like every kind of basically you have two kinds of bans in football. You have one for technical offences i.e. where you're sent off for two yellow cards or you're sent off for a last man offence, which is a one-game ban. And then you have violent conduct. And in, in, in 17 years or whatever of the Premiership, I think Ben Thatcher is just about the only player to get anything more than a three-game ban. Mm. And it, it just strikes me as bizarre. I mean, you look at... Could you imagine if our courts, if every person who came before them for assault or murder... You know, or, no, murder's different, but assault or anything, or any kind of affray or anything, it would all... That's it's just a set of sentence of that amount of time and it just struck me as there was something very wrong about the Bowyer incident the way it was kind of just accepted oh yeah I, w- I would have sent him off you know that's fine yeah I'll accept the three game ban that's fine Alison Tish going yeah 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 yeah. as long as it's applied to all the teams da, da, da. Uh, hang on let's just take a step back from this for a second a dodgy a bad tackle is one thing and I'm not I'm not somebody who's ever going to defend Shawcross and the likes of him but you can say that you didn't mean it, and you can also argue that, yes, you were reckless, but you didn't mean to injure the guy. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a defence of sorts. You say, all right, fair enough. But, but Lebo is accepted he stamped on Bakary Sanya. Now, when it comes to stamping on someone, it's either a complete accident, which is totally plausible. You can land on someone with your studs completely accidentally. Or you've tried to stamp on them. <laughs> you've jumped on their legs with your studs. Now, if that happens in the street, you know, you're done for assault. Yeah. And, where is where is the kind of outrage about this? I don't quite understand it. You know, I, I, I hate it when people say what kind of a message does it send out, but what kind of a message does it send out? <laughs> well, it's 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 something that's long been a bugbear of mine because um, I think it was around the same time as the the Shawcross incident that Ali Adier got a four match ban. Again, it was one of those, he was sent off for violent conduct, letter of the law. All he did was he lifted his hand and touched a guy on the face and then appealed, saying, well, come on, you know, let's have a bit of common sense about this. And they banned him for a further game for a frivolous appeal. Because by the letter of the law, if you lift your hands, you know, sort of like Heskey did last night, you're going to get a three-match ban. But there is, there, there, I've long, uh, not campaigned, but long suggested that there has to be a sliding scale of punishment for violent conduct that some conduct is only violent conduct by the letter of the law and some violent conduct is actually violent deliberate and uh, with intent to hurt a player so it's like you say when you go to the court you know everybody gets the same the same um you know whether it's driving offenses or whatever everyone gets the same punishment it is weird but it must take if you think about it it must um take a, a huge amount or would take a huge amount of administration um, you know, to, to make something like that happen. Now, I'm not uh, against no, that by any means, but... 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Perhaps that's where their reluctance to do anything about it comes from. No, I don't, but I don't think it does require any administration, really. I think it simply requires their disciplinary panel, which is, it already exists, to go, actually, that was pretty bad. Uh, we don't really like that, I think. And also to go, I mean, it, the other thing strikes me about this is that it was Lee Bowyer. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's not Gal Clichy doing it. It's Lee Bowyer. There, there is previous, you know. Mm. Um, let's, let's be honest about this. And, and yet you don't, you don't, get, you don't get any condemn, condemnatory words from the FA. You don't get, you don't get Bowyer forced to, to kind of come out and say, I'm really sorry about doing that. I realise stamping on someone's leg jumping on their leg with my studs is a really bad thing to do. I'm really sorry I won't do it again. He just accepts his three match ban. I mean Yeah. All right. Well let's let's leave that because that's a minefield that, that you yeah. know I don't think we're gonna get uh, get across uh, at any stage soon. Uh briefly on the Birmingham performance, um it was good. We stood up to the physical stuff and, and I think I had some scary scary moments when we'd missed those couple of chances early in the second half, but Nazari got the second, the third was uh, would have been a beautiful goal if an Arsenal player had scored it. Uh, so a, a good display away from home and one that probably picked us up a bit after the Wigan result. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I think we played pretty well. We got the we got the second goal crucially, which was a really important thing, and uh, and we did well, especially given the history we've got there. I'd, I'd be interested to know what you think. I, I I think that when when we've got a combination, when we've got Wilson uh, Walcott in the team. Um, it really, really helps us. It gives us something completely different. I'm not saying he's the best player in the squad by any ex- extent, but but I just think it's we look such a better team with him in it, really. And and I think that's been quite evident in some of our performances of late. Yeah, I would agree because um, the alternative is so uh, off form and frustrating mm. at the moment. And, and we're talking about Arshavin being the the alternative. I could understand why he brought Arshavin on last night because maybe you just need that little bit of extra quality that little bit of extra experience and that sort of new around the box that that Arshavin has at Walcott doesn't right Mm -hmm. so I could understand why he brought him on but what was I I suppose frustrating was the fact that what Arshavin did was I was sloppy and it was lazy again and you know he he really is uh, terribly frustrating at the moment so if you're asking me in a straight swap between Walcott and 
uh, and Arshavin, then, then there's no choice just at the moment. But what I would like to see is a little more... Um, I wouldn't like it to be so clear-cut. You know, I'd like no. for there to be a choice between the two of them um, and that one is causing the other problems and perhaps, you know, that that competition thing will, will fire them on. And I agree, you know, Walcott does give us something different and uh, a pace and, and it does trouble defenders. I just think that when a team is sitting as deep as City is sitting, yeah, you know, the, the, there isn't really the great benefit of Walcott's pace that there is against a team that pushes forward a, a little bit more. No, maybe. I mean, I, I thought he was getting in quite a lot last night you know even even despite how deep they were sitting and i, I agree bringing our shaman on was a was the right move because he is a guy who can snuffle snaffle you a goal i thought what was interesting i thought was when he then brought bentner on um and he moved nazari into midfield now now nazari had a decent game last night but i don't think it was his best game i don't think he was as effective as uh walcott and it Nasri got shifted into midfield when once Wilshire came off, and a little part of me thought, well, why didn't you take Nasri off in the first place? Is the reason you didn't take Nasri off because you always had this little extra thing in mind of of taking Wilshire off? Who, mm. um, and it, you, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I just, I would have liked to see our Shavin one win, Walcott the other, and I think you know, and if Nasri had to take a bow, then mate, then so be it. But you know. Fair enough. I can see where Wenger's coming from. All right. Okay. Let's look ahead uh, to the weekend and to next week because we've got a break from league action and perhaps that might be a good thing and a chance for people to uh, rest some legs. Arsenal's already. Yeah. Well, if you could pick a couple, if you could pick a time for Sanya to be out, you know that two of his games are missing. Uh, you know the cup games. That's that's good. He wasn't going to play in them anyway. I don't think. But uh, the, the the manager's already talking about making many many changes uh, to, to the teams at the weekend, and it is a chance not only for us to to progress in the FA Cup uh, and in the Carling Cup, important games, but again to keep these squad players fresh. And it goes back to the Wigan thing, where uh, you know people talk about us having a strong bench, but if the players aren't playing, then they don't get any chance to build up match sharpness, to build up any kind of form, any kind of uh, confidence. So it is a chance for these players who have become sort of fringe players, if you like, Rosicki and Bentner, you know, to, to show that they've got what it takes and, and to keep them going because we are going to need them at some point later in the season. Totally agree. And the, the great thing is we have very few injuries at the moment, relatively. Um, and we've got plenty of players who can come in. And see so what he can do is he can pick a team, which is what he's been doing in the, in the Carling Cup, which is a realistic, tangible team who, who, will, who can win the game for us. And, mm. and actually, if you look at it, he'll play... He's only the changes he's made in the Carling Cup this season. That everyone goes on about the greatest strength, but actually, it's been a slight tweak because last season, this season, as in last season, he's picked the seven players who started on the. He always picked the seven players who started on the bench the previous league game, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's seven out of your starting eleven gone, and then there'll be one or two others, likes of Vela, etc. You know, maybe someone coming back from injury um, who'd make it up to nine or ten. And then what he's tended to do now is rather than. Rather than chucking, you know, he might chuck in one rookie, but rather than, you know, chucking two rookies next to each other or something, he might take Fabregas or he might take Wilshaw or he might take Sanya from the first team and put them in there. So, you know, so that's the slight difference he's made. And it's, it's good that he's made that change, but it's also the fact that we have a, a much more experienced and fitter, you know, currently fit squad as well. Mm. And so I think we can afford to make the changes. Don't, you just don't want to see silly. You don't want to see changes like Ali Adier brought in for his first start in six months against Man United in the FA Cup semi-final <laughs> in 2004. And I'm sorry, but that still does really rankle because you know that was that we that was ours to have basically. That that was a treble for us to yeah. have. And still, sorry, yes. Uh, have you still got some 
some sentiment, issue. some feeling for the cup. No, I mean not not issue with that because that's two thousand and four. Yeah. We got to move on. Yeah. Um, do you, do you still have some uh, fondness for the cup? Because a lot of people view it as irrelevant, and you know it's not really worth talking about anymore. But for me, you know, the first trophy I ever saw Arsenal win was the FA Cup, and it was at that final in nineteen seventy nine, and you know it was a, an amazing game. So for me, it's always been a competition I've been fond of and always want us uh, to do well in. Oh, definitely, definitely. You've got to be fond of it. I'm, I'm kind of fond of the Carling Cup as well. You know, I think it gets a bit of a bad, bad press in a way. You get some quite good games in it. And the FA Cup's definitely got a special appeal. And, you know, I think to be fair to Wenger, we've always largely given it the respect it deserves. You know, um, in recent years, we haven't done as well as we once did, you know, when we kind of, we kind of got addicted to it and, you know, mm. almost blase about it. But I think it's, yeah, FA Cup is, a, is always a big thing and it sh- should certainly matter. All right, okay, good play. We better leave it there. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much. Cheers to good player. You know where to find him, goodplayer.com or on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash goodplayer. Now, before we look ahead to the weekend's game against Leeds, dirty, nasty, filthy, horrendous, awful, despicable, nasty Leeds, here's some talk show radio. In motorists around Preston are reporting a huge orange glow in the sky, which is causing some disruption on local routes. Police say this is only to be expected with the arrival of Phil Brown as manager of the football team. We'll have more traffic in an hour. Thank you very much indeed, sexy Australian traffic girl. This is Talk Shite Radio, talking shite about sport 24 hours a day. Don't forget later, our phone-in show with sex pest mentalist and Adrian Spennymore. Tonight the subject is marijuana Shamak, striker or Moroccan hash kingpin using the cover of the Premier League to fence his filthy product. Now, last weekend, Arsenal beat Birmingham 3-0 at St. Andrews. A lot of people have talked about how Arsenal stood up to the physical task of Birmingham, how they put in a good display. But frankly, the thing we should be talking about is the fact that the referee missed a clear penalty, a handball by Robin Van Persie in the box. With me to discuss the game is the man in charge of hiring pundits at ESPN. Welcome. Good afternoon. Arsenal might have scored three goals, but the turning point was that penalty decision it wasn't given and you do get the sense that had it been given Birmingham would have gone on to score five or six and win the game quite comfortably yes as one of our pundits was speakifying on the telly box on Dastaday how has the referee not saw that not only was it a clear penalty but it was also a band hall and anyone in the ground who didn't see that band hall and the fact that it was a penalty needs to get their eyes dusted. I honestly think the dandards in the Premium League are going to hull in a hand basin. And that was licensed then for the Arsenal players to go on and do what they do, diving, cheating, scoring goals against the opposition, without a moment's thought for how the home fans must feel. Quite so, and we should face the fact that they should not like have to be retort to that kind of thing. Look at the players they have. Besk Sagrafas, Samir Katnazri, Bacardi Spania, Wio Thorcott, Fukas Labiansky... Romus Tiskitski, Pobin Van Rursi, all top quality players who have the talent and ability to win any game. To see them do cheatosity like that is a scandal. Pernasoli, I blamed Arwen Senger. He is the Mananagar of the club, 
and the players clearly act under his instructions. Well, we're broadly in agreement there. Let's leave Arsenal aside, and before we go, just tell us a few things about how the new year is going to pan out for ESPN. We have a great many things coming in 2011. We're most excited by our realistic reality show featuring Chris Dordle. Bakersley, we sned him to a remote island, which doesn't even not have not a moat, and flim him as he tries to fight off a series of ever more dignorous animals, including crocodiles, rattanulas, greasily bears, gallitators, fellijish, and Jade Goody's Quim in a jar. And that is why ESPN has got the very highest standards in broadcasting. Talk shite radio aside, of course, the man who picks the pundits for ESPN, thank you very much. This is Talk Shite Radio, talking shite about sport 24 hours a day. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, Tony Pulis on why he is not the millhouse of football. Talk shite radio, talking shite about sport 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day. So FA Cup action this weekend against Leeds United. We're at home. It's uh, an early enough kickoff. I think twelve forty-five, and we've got a great history uh, with Leeds United in the FA Cup. The last time we played them was in the two thousand and three, two thousand and four season. We beat them four-one at Elland Road. The goals from Henri, Edu, Perez, and Colo Toure. But the Arsenal team on the day: Lehman, Lauren, Keown, Campbell, Cole, Jumberg, Vieira, Gilberto. Edu, Canu, Henri, substitutes that came on were Parler, Perez, and Toure, and uh, David Bentley <laughs> stayed on the bench, as did Rami Shaban. 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 Never knew how to say that, but never mind. I've covered all the bases there, I think. Anyway, Leeds United in the FA Cup, and they're going well now, Leeds, aren't they? They're doing well in the Championship. Uh, this season, they're uh, they're potentially coming back to the Premier League, which would be, let's face it, Awful, because Leeds are, let's face it, cunts. And I'm sure I've told this story before. There's a reason, a particular reason, why I so hate Leeds United. And that was because when I was in school, a young boy uh, in school in Yorkshire, uh, and there was a, a Leeds United fan there, and there were, in fact, a number of Leeds United fans there, but only one of them was a mouth-breathing oaf, like this particular chap, who used to sort of get your arm behind your back and make you say, I love Leeds, and it hurt a lot, and I'm not one for pain, generally speaking. But I always resented him for that, not so much for the physical pain, because you expect that when you're in school. There's always some cunt who's trying to throw his weight around, but the fact that he made me say, I love Leeds, when I didn't. Of course, I kept my fingers crossed when I said it, so it didn't really count. And I just had a check now on this bizarre creation that is Facebook, and I can see him on Facebook. I'm looking at his profile right now. What a cunt. He's still alive. That disappoints me greatly. I was hoping he had died a miserable, horrible death in a bedsit somewhere, a squat with a needle in his arm and a fucking tramp's cock up his arse. That's what I was hoping. Sadly, it hasn't happened, uh, but he does like Def Leppard. It seems. And what else does he like? Top Gear, The Inbetweeners, Quadrophenia. Yeah, apart from that, there's a whole lot of Leeds stuff as well. So, um, what a cunt. And um, hopefully, he's making the trip down uh, on Saturday to watch Leeds get beaten at the Emirates. There are going to be a lot of changes for the Arsenal team. Arsene Wenger uh, talking about making many, many changes. Um... 
we'll see Ibue back, obviously, because Sanya is injured. Chesney's going to play in goal. Kieran Gibbs is fit again, and he'll play. Uh, I suppose Skilacci will come back in. Then you're looking at Rosicki, Arshavin, uh, Bentner coming in, Shamak coming in, Danielson. Uh, maybe Craig Eastman might play at some point, and maybe one or two of the first-team squad that aren't feeling tired. Robin Van Persie is out of the game uh, because he's picked up a little knock on his hip uh, during the Man City game. Samir Nasri, a doubt, and to be honest, I would be inclined to give him a bit of a rest. Uh, we've got bigger fish to fry. Uh, I do hate Leeds, and I really, really do like the FA Cup, despite what people uh, might think of it as a competition and its importance. It will always have a, a fairly special place in my heart, and we are Arsenal, and we can't necessarily be uh, picky and choosy in terms of trophies anymore. And that leads us nicely, of course, uh, to Tuesday night's game against... No, it's not Tuesday, it's Wednesday against Ipswich in the Carlin Cup, a semi-final and uh, again, you're going to look at the players who played in the FA Cup playing in that game. And as I was saying, it's a good play a bit earlier, as well as giving the first team a break. It's a chance for these guys to say to the manager, look, I'm here. I can be considered for the first team. I can do something when I'm given the chance because too many of them haven't really done that. Bentner's still got a bit to go this season. Thomas Rosicki, come on, Thomas, a goal. He hasn't scored since 1986. And he needs a goal. And there's guys that are pushing and should be pushing for first-team action. And these cup games are very handy uh, for the manager to give them that playing time on the pitch. So, uh, fingers crossed for uh, tomorrow against Leeds. I hope they have a horrendous journey down, a horrendous journey back, and they lose. And that uh, somewhere along the way, uh, the guy that I was in school with ends up in a squat, needle, Tramscock, Ars, and on on Wednesday, uh, let's hope for uh, more of the same. I mean, in terms of good football results, uh, because he really doesn't need to have the uh, squat, needle, Tramscock, Ars um, again. One should be enough, provided it's it's done properly, if you get me. But uh, I don't bear a grudge, really. <laughs> anyway, we better leave it there. Uh, have yourselves a great weekend. Talk to you all next week on the blog, and of course on next week's Arscast. Until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye bye. There are often homeless people asking for change at freeway exit ramps, but recently there's been this guy with an interesting sign at I-71 and Hudson Street. His handwritten sign says he has the God-given gift of a great voice. Hey, I'm going to make you work for your dollar. Say something with that great radio voice. You're listening to the Arsblog Arscast. Oh, we done, lads, yet? We done move to give me a dollar, is it? Deadly, yeah. That'll go a long way, so will, you know. Yeah, I will. I was born in Brooklyn, raised there, but, you know, the old drink and drugs got hold of me and uh, found myself out on the street. And I've uh, been living here and just, you know, I always figured someone would come along and find me talent, you know. So if you could, uh, if you could chuck that up there on the YouTube, that'd be deadly. Fucking lovely, so I would. But don't worry about me, I'm, I'm sober now nearly two hours, and uh, 
Everything is peachy. Wouldn't have a smoke, would you? Wouldn't taste that puke. Think there's a big car between me teeth and everything? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.